0: Hi everyone, and welcome to another Bible study here at One Love Live at Love Walk. And I am your host, Leela Winston. I pray that you are well and that God is blessing continually in your life. As you know, we come together to read and study in the Word of God so that we can practically apply it to our lives and also so that we can discover the purpose of our lives and enact that in the earth as God would will for us to. And so I want to thank you so much for returning back. Um, I hope you are doing well. I hope today has been amazing for you. Uh, As you know, we have been doing a study and a series, and we're just going to take a brief break here. Um, And we're going to do a study on something I think is absolutely beautiful. It really kind of puts into words something that I was trying to do in a previous Bible study. And so um, I'm just so happy to be able to um, actually find scripture for it. So um, we're going to be reading in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 15. And our anchor text is going to be verse 1 to verse 2. And it's very short. Um, we might actually read um, the entire portion that I want us to read. But our anchor text is actually verse 1 and verse 2. Because that is actually where I actually found my answer. So uh, go ahead and grab your Bible. Once again, our anchor text is Second Chronicles chapter 5, verses 1 to 2. And I will start, it says, And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa, and said unto him, Hear you, me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you be with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. And I think this is really an amazing Bible study um, because, I mean, I'm sorry, not Bible study, an amazing scripture because I think it says essentially what we've already known. And that is why I have given this Bible study a fitting title. And I think that we can apply this information, we can apply this message to our own lives. This comes from the mouth of a prophet, Azariah the prophet. And although he is speaking to Asa, the king of Uh, Judah, he is also speaking to us because we are his chosen people. And so, I want to ask you a question: How do you be on God's side? How do we be on God's side? How is that done? And according to Second Chronicles chapter uh, chapter five, verse one and two, it says, "You do what he says. You follow his ways. If you are with him, then he is with you. And if you seek him." He will make himself known to you. He will let you find him. I think that is so wonderful about God. If you are truly seeking God, he will be found of you. And that is why believing is so important. Um, As we did in our last Bible study in the First Fruit series, uh, Faith, we talk about what it means to believe and how important that is in terms of reaching the things that God has said and even God himself, right? So the old saying goes... If God seems distant, guess who moved? It wasn't God. God isn't playing hide and seek with us. We are, right? Remember Adam and Eve in the garden? They were the first humans and they were the first people who hid. Now, am I saying that God is going to answer you every second you ask him any question? That doesn't mean God has hidden from you just because he doesn't give you an answer when you want it. But is God going to hide his goodness from us, his power, his kindness? No, he's not going to hide that from us. And I think a lot of times, you know, people who feel like maybe God has abandoned them, they don't realize how much he has. He's still with them, right? He's Emmanuel, God with us. If you take in a breath, then God has not left you, right? He's trying to get us to understand something uh, in this verse. And I think it's important for us to revisit Genesis so that we can kind of remember what actually happened and who were the people that actually moved. It's actually found in Genesis chapter three, and it's from verse eight to nine that I'm going to read. And it says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where are you, right? God didn't hide, right? He is seeking you, right? And so the question then becomes, are we really truly seeking him? Because he will be found of you. And so what would he see if he was found of you? And I think that's what Adam and Eve was afraid of. What would God see if he found me in my heart? What I really truly want, what I really, what really matters to me. So I want to ask, are you with him or are you living for you? And I think that's a question we all have to ask ourselves sometimes um, periodically because it's very easy to drift off into what you want. I can only speak for myself and I find that to be the case. Sometimes I'm so uh, focused on the things that I want and I want to do and I want to accomplish that I forget that this isn't a life that is for me. It is a life that I pawned. And I gave to God. It's a life that is ransomed now with Christ. And so I think if we can understand that, we're always saying, God, send me, here I am. But usually what that means is here I am for the thing that I want (laughs) that serves you rather than here I am for the thing that you want that serves you. So we have to be constantly asking ourselves just to get an inventory of where we are. So when we live for ourselves, often we will find ourselves hiding from God in those times that he calls because we want to do what we want, right? And then when we need him, we call and we want him on our side. The question is, however, would God find that you were on his side when you call him in the times that you need him to be on your side? Are, you know, and I think that's really the important point. We forget that this is a story about God. This is God's story, right? And I think sometimes the narrative gets changed because we are so invested in the things that we want. And I got to tell you, there's nothing wrong with being invested in the things that you want. I think a lot of times we vilify that, and that's not true. But it cannot be more than the things that God wants. And I have to say that I see this throughout life, not just my own life, but other people's lives and the lives of people I don't even know. And there's this quote, that I have always loved um, ever since I was an adolescent and it's a quote from uh, Henry the eighth Shakespeare's Henry the eighth and I know I'm not trying to be lofty guys it just really is one of my favorite quotes and I'm gonna read that to you today because and if you haven't you know uh, read this or you don't know any of the story um, it's really about uh, a cardinal Wolsey who kind of his name is Wolsey he falls out of favor with this king um and this is after he gains all of this stature and all of this wealth that he always wanted this this validation this you know acceptance that he always wanted he did whatever that king wanted him to do and then when it got to a point where he fell out of favor with the king the king was just ready to throw him to the wayside right and this is the quote that i want to recite to you and I know people don't recite Shakespeare in Bible studies, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> so it is from Henry the Eighth, and it says, "There take an, there take an inventory of all I have to the last penny. It is the king's my robe and my integrity to heaven is all. I dare not call mine own, O Cromwell, Cromwell." Had I but served my God with half the zeal I served my king, he would not, in mine age, have left me naked to mine enemies. And the reason I really like that verse—I'm sorry, not verse—that quote uh, from Shakespeare is because it says something fundamental about our relationship with God and our relationship with men. I love people, and I love when people are nice and good. But people can change. People are fickle. God is not right he is steadfast he is faithful and so essentially what the cardinal is saying is that if I had been faithful to God he would not have left me naked to my enemies the way that this king has so we have to be careful about what we serve in life and that is just what I want to encourage you to do think about the things that you serve even if it is yourself And I know you say, well, if I want it, uh, how how is it serving myself is going to let me down? Oh, let me tell you, folks. There are people who have accomplished things and realized that it's not what they want. It didn't give them the joy that they thought. It didn't give them the satisfaction. It was empty. It was hollow. There are many times we change our mind, we change our career, we change our thoughts, whatever it can be. So, yes, it's possible. So, the thing I want you to remember is that God is with you in good times and bad times. He's not fair weather. He, recognize, he recognizes your faithfulness because he's faithful. He is the one that will not double cross you. And so this prophet Azariah came out to prophesy a simple admonition. It's good not just for Asa, but for all of us. And deep down, we know it is true. This verse says in 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 2, what I have always wanted to articulate, and I tried to say in a previous Bible study, like I said earlier on in this broadcast, I had said that God is not with me, but I am with him, but that didn't quite sound right. And I think that 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 2 excellently and perfectly explains it. And I love when I find scripture that gives words for what is in my heart. And I'm going to read 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 2 one more time, and it says, And he went out to meet Asa, and said unto him, Hear you, me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you, while you be with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. So will you serve God or man? Will you serve God or mammon? In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, it tells us that we can truly have but one God in our lives, one master. And this means you can only have one leader. That is really essentially what it is saying. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. It says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And so if you have two leaders, and I just want you to picture this in your mind, two supervisors, two uh, directors, whatever, if one goes east and the other one goes west, where will you go? And I'm going to tell you something. The one that you follow is your true master that you actually trust, that you believe and probably love the most. And so who are you serving? There goes the question again. If you serve God, you store treasure in heaven. If you serve yourself or the world, you store treasure that's on the earth or what the Bible calls earthly treasure. This doesn't mean that you can only have or access that heavenly treasure when you get to heaven. It just means you store value in heaven that works on your behalf as wealth in both the seen and unseen world, now and into eternity. It doesn't mean it's just in heaven and you can't access it until you get to heaven, because we learn that we are connected. There is this connection between heaven and earth, right? Heaven is constantly working on earth. The Bible tells us that the kingdom of God is here. It is within us. So thinking that just because you would store heavenly treasure doesn't mean you can't get to it, okay? I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions, right? Or you can store up mammon, the things of value of the earth, money, power, sex, possessions, influence, people, uh, humanly favor, things that only can serve you on earth. And that's essentially what that verse is saying. There are some things that can only serve you here. And then there are other things that can serve you in heaven and on earth. And that is why he tells us to store up heavenly treasure, because it can serve you on earth. And in heaven and so let's look at matthew chapter 16 to 21 it also talks about treasure and it talks about the utility of it in two realms and not just one look at matthew chapter 6 uh, 6 verse 19 to 21 it says lay not up for yourselves treasure upon earth where moth and rust does corrupt and where thieves break through and steal But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust does corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. See, people are daily making these choices in their lives about where their treasure lies, where their master, who their true master is. The man who chooses the mistress over his wife the cop who chooses dirty money over defending innocent civilians. The politician who sells out his community and his country over supporting and helping the people. The banker who looks the other way while his partner cooks those books for an extra kickback. What, what, what is your treasure? What will you choose? What treasure will you choose over what you don't, right? Check what your heart is choosing Because what we choose determines whose side we are choosing, right? Remember this, and I have to say it again, because the choices that you make, whose side you're on, that's what is showing whose side you're on. I can't keep, you know, doing bad things, lying and stealing and treating people wickedly and say, hey, I'm on God's side. You can't keep doing that and say that you're on his side because then you start saying something about God himself god's fidelity god's nature right we have to look at what we are choosing are we really choosing you know the good thing are we really storing up heavenly treasure so be sure to know the truth if you want god on your side in times of need then be on his side when he needs you to do his will this doesn't mean that you serve god to get you out of a pinch or just to help you succeed right? Like I'm not telling you serve God so that he can help you when you're in a tough spot no I'm not telling you that it means you serve God because you love him and you are loyal so that in your time of need he sees a son in need and not some greedy interloper who sees him as a cosmic Santa Claus because let's face it (laughs) that's an unfortunate narrative that is pushed we're just sowing seeds so that we could get something back from God that we're doing good deeds just so that we can be covered that we're paying it forward so that when we get there someone will pay it to us God isn't saying that he isn't saying that i want you to look at what the bible says about allegiance to god in 1st john chapter 4 verse 29 this is the heart of the matter the heart of the matter is 1st john chapter 4 verse 29 and it says we love him because he first loved us. That's 1st John chapter 4 verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. And so we love because of his love. That is the only reason we are given to love God. Not because he did this or because he did that, but just because he loved us. God wants to be near you. His name is Emmanuel. So we have no excuse not to be near him. He came walking to talk with Adam in the cool of the garden in Genesis 3. So come near, as it says in James 4 and 8, and he will hold you close because he loves you. Look at James chapter 4, verse 8. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart, be double-minded. So the God that loves you, wants you to be on his side. And when you are on his side, he is on your side. And you will surely be rewarded. It is a promise we learn from Hebrews chapter six. I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 11, verse six. So I wanna point this out in Hebrews chapter 11, verse six, it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him so belief is the heart of it you have to believe that is it we cannot please God with without faith but there are two uh, there are two um, prerequisites the first thing you use is that you have to believe he is that's the first belief the second belief is that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Not a little bit, not here and there, not just on Sunday morning, not just on Wednesdays or Tuesdays, but ones who diligently seek him, right? So the God that loves us asks us to stand with him. And as the famous song says, that you all may know, it says, when they ask us why we did it, we'll say... We did it for love. In the same way, the God of heaven saved us for God so loved the world. He did it for love because he was. No, no, no. He is love. So walk with God, friends. He's the surest thing that you've got. And I'll leave you with Second Chronicles chapter 15, verse 12 that encouraged me so. And it says, we will read from verse 1 until verse 7. So it is 2 Chronicles chapter 15. And we're going to read from verse 1 to 7. And it says, And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa, and said unto him, Hear you, me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you, while you be with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you but if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Now, for a long long season, Israel had been without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. But when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. And in those times, there was no peace to him that went out nor to him that came in, but great vexation were upon all the inhabitants of the countries. A nation was destroyed of nation and city of city, for God did vex them with all adversity. Be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. God bless you.